thought we'd take a little break from the election coverage today. So many other people are covering it, and I've done it numerous times, but I'll be back at it on Monday. For the time being, I'd like to talk about how we're all being played, and played in a big way, by politicians from both parties, but particularly from one party. I think we know which party that's going to be, the Democratic Party. We're being deluged with information about the pandemic, the pandemic, the pandemic. And the pandemic, of course, they're referring to is the COVID-19 virus. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, please do so in the iTunes App Store. Simply go to NP Online, search that, and you'll be able to find us and subscribe. It's free to subscribe, and you won't miss a thing. So I strongly urge you to go to and to the iTunes App Store and subscribe to NP Online. For those of you who do not have the benefit of an iPhone but prefer Androids instead, you can also subscribe. You can go to the Google App Store and download the Podbean app. Our hosting service is podbean.com, and that Podbean app is readily available in the Google Play Store. So feel free to avail yourself of it and subscribe that way. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. And we do have one favor to ask of you before we begin. <coughs> Excuse me. As you know, we are now past 50 broadcasts of the show. And if you'd like to know more about what this show is about, you're a first-time listener, Please go into the archives, go back and look at the inaugural broadcast where I gave an overview of what we plan to cover in the show and why we were doing it. So please go back and look at that. I think it'll give you a little bit more insight into what National Preview Online is all about. The other thing we're asking of you, if you do like this podcast, please go into the iTunes App Store, especially there, and give it a review. Give us a good review. Uh, we'd like to see five stars and some comments because only after a certain number of reviews have been posted does the podcast readily come up in search results when people are searching for conservative content and things of that nature. So if you can see your way clear to write us a review in the iTunes App Store, we would greatly appreciate it. But right now, back to the problem at hand. This COVID-19 thing has gotten quite out of hand. Uh, In fact, I give it credit in more ways than one for this current election debacle, uh, debacle that we are in. There is no way in God's green earth anyone is going to convince me that Donald Trump lost this election legitimately. And so before I get to the COVID-19 virus, let me just go over a few numbers. You know, it's also very interesting to me how You can't find much in the way of YouTube clips about election coverage. I hope some will be manifesting themselves soon. But I remember, as many of you do, I can't remember all the states, but let's just take the most dramatic example. In the state of Pennsylvania, where there were, I think, something on the order of 6 million votes cast. I think that's about right. 6 million votes cast. They stopped counting at about 68%, so probably about 4 million votes and change. And at that time, 
Donald Trump had a 700,000-plus vote lead in the state of Pennsylvania. That's quite a substantial lead with 68% of the vote counted. Uh, and nobody's given an adequate reason as to why they, stop, they decided to stop counting, other than maybe to find votes for the other guy. By the morning, that vote began to shrink. And the next thing you know, in the remaining 32%, a 700,000-plus vote lead goes to a 60,000-plus deficit and, in turn, obviously, a 60,000-plus lead for your opponent. Now, how do you account for over a 760,000-vote shift with just 38% remaining in a field that only had 6.5 million people to begin with? Do you realize the kind of percentages you would have to have on the remaining 38% in order for that type of phenomenon to take place, it's almost beyond the realm of mathematical probability. It may very well be actually beyond the realm of mathematical possibility. So there is voter fraud here. And the way this was achieved, again, I want to deal more with voter fraud in some subsequent shows, was by having a substantial number of the votes cast by mail. That was point one. Point two was to now change the rules to make it easier to cast votes by mail in that there would be very, very little in the way of verification, a double standard, if you will. One standard for verifying votes in person and one standard for verifying votes that were cast by mail. Now, that's not quite the way things should be. It's supposed to be an even standard. And then let's not even get into the fact that dead people voting. But what was the real necessity for this mail-in voting, ladies and gentlemen? These same people who claim fear for their lives by going out and voting in person are the same people you see waiting online with you and Trader Joe's and CVS and Walgreens standing on those two stupid little footprints, like I've said in the past, with apparently no concern for everything they touched on the shelf in the store. And I don't think you've noticed anybody going around at the supermarket sanitizing every bottle or box that somebody touched before they put it back on the shelf again, deciding that's not what they wanted. That didn't cause anyone to have a moment of pause. But the notion that someone would hand you a sheet of paper that nobody else had touched, ask you to touch it with a pen that was readily available to be sterilized, that uh, put everybody over the edge. Couldn't do it. You know, it's, it's all about a level of degree, as they say. And this is nonsense. There was no reason for this whatsoever. This was done to facilitate fraud. And that's what we've got right now. And if it's not addressed, we're going to have problems in every election going forward. And people are not going to have confidence in the elections. And therefore, they're not going to have confident, confidence in their government. And we'll quickly become a banana republic. But now let's get on to the virus that caused all this fear. It's being marketed to us as a pandemic. I don't consider it a pandemic. I'm sorry. Pandemics to me refer to things that just leave a swath of death and destruction in their past that is on orders of magnitude, something that most minds can't conceive. And number two, something which just simply cannot be prevented or avoided. Neither is the case here. When I think of a pandemic, I think of the bubonic plague. Now, if any of you want to know what that was, if you're too young, and I know the school systems don't teach you very much, just go and Google 
the bubonic plague. Now, I'm not a big fan of Wikipedia. It's not always the most accurate source, but it's pretty accurate when it comes to the bubonic plague. Um, I think you should all do well to look it up. The bubonic plague was also known as the Black Plague, okay? And it came in several waves over many centuries. Let me give you some information here. I'll just give you something. Now, the first pandemic, they call it a pandemic, and it is, epidemic, pandemic, affected the uh, Sasanian Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire. That came a little bit early in the first millennium, around 542. But people didn't move around as much as they did uh, uh, today. They didn't have planes. We didn't have cars. We didn't have roads, so to speak. People were traveling in very, very primitive means. That pandemic, which first appeared in the spring of 542, was said to have been completed. It was also known as the Plague of Justinian by the middle of the 8th century. That's 700-something. So you're talking almost 200 years this thing was bouncing around. But it wasn't over. In the late Middle Ages, some five, 600 years later, in 1347, a second outbreak of the bubonic plague hit in 1347. That was the worst of it. It killed a third of the human population in Europe. Some historians believe that society subsequently became more violent as the mass mortality rate cheapened life and thus increased warfare, crime, popular revolt, waves of flagellants, persecution, etc., etc., etc. Chinese records show it showed up in Mongolia in 13, the 1330s, and research indicates in the steppe region of Russia around the same time, 1340s. There was a third pandemic in the mid-19th century, but it was much smaller. But my point being, these things result in the deaths of millions and millions of people. Now, I know millions could die today from various things, but you remember the population of the world was much smaller back then. So as a percentage, to wipe out a third of a country, uh, of a continent, let's look at the United States as a country, not even a continent. We have 330 million people. Imagine what things would be like here if 110 million people perished as a result of the COVID-19 virus. That would be a pandemic. I would consider 30 million people a pandemic, 10% of our population. But we don't have that, ladies and gentlemen. As of now, the current death total stands at about 250,000 people. They admit that over 11 million people have been infected. And that translates into a death rate of about 2%. Uh, and when you consider that many of, the, many of the old people have a lower survival rate, maybe about 95, 96%, which is still very high, other people have about 99% or better chance of survival. They admit to a minimum of 10.9 million people infected. Those are only the people that they know have come and been tested and came back positive. Those who are asymptomatic, they don't know about it all. That's estimated to be 10 times that much. So we could have 100 million people in this country having already been affected, infected with the COVID-19 virus, and we have 245,000 people dead. That's a very, very, very low mortality rate, uh, mortality rate, extremely low, and nothing that would qualify as a pandemic. Now let's put these numbers in perspective. In any given year, any given year, 
you have approximately 64,000 people die from the seasonal flu. You don't hear about it. Nobody seems to care about it because your phone isn't blowing up every five minutes telling you that 10 more people died from the seasonal flu. But this year, every time someone dies of COVID-19 or the percentage of infection ticks up a tenth of a point, everybody gets their butt in an uproar. Well, of these 245,000 deaths, it's very important to note that not everyone died from COVID-19. Many of them died with COVID-19. In fact, approximately 30% of the people died from underlying causes. Of the 245,000, 103,000 occurred in American nursing homes. 1,860 nursing home deaths in Michigan, 6,052 in Pennsylvania, 6,172 in California, 7,000 in New Jersey, and just about 7,000 in New York. Now, New York, New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and California, I'm singling them out for a very particular reason. They're all blue states, and they're all states where the governors in those states mandated that nursing homes, if they had bed space, accept COVID-19 patients. Now, I can't speak to what was done in New Jersey. Well, I can in a way. I can't speak to what was done in Pennsylvania or Michigan or California. I live on the East Coast. I can only go by news reports. But I can tell you that in New York and in New Jersey, they had great alternatives to sending people to nursing homes. We already know that the people most vulnerable from COVID-19 were the elderly who are already living in compromised states of health. And it's a pretty good conclusion that if people are elderly and they're not living at home, but they're living in a nursing home, they're there for a reason, because they're in a compromised state of health already. What idiot would contemplate introducing a contagion like that into such a vulnerable population? Well, apparently these five idiots in these states, Governor Newsom in California, the other genius in Pennsylvania, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, Murphy in New Jersey, and of course, Il Duce, Benito Cuomo in New York. That's what we have here. So by direct government action, we have a massive number of deaths in these five states. It's incredible when you think about it. But getting back to what I was saying, in New York and New Jersey, there was no reason for this. President Trump sent the U.S. Army to build a very competent hospital in the Javits Center that had over 3,000 beds. And they were designed just to take COVID-19 patients so that hospitals in New York who needed to be, have bed space available for patients other than COVID-19 could be free to do it without having to risk infecting their entire institutions by having COVID-19 patients come in. You went into the ER, they thought you had COVID-19, boom, you could be shipped over to that hospital in the Javits Center. They never did it because I assume that if people went to that hospital and they died there, they wouldn't get any federal funding. So nobody was sent there. About 130, maybe 200 patients went there. And then El Duce cried for more. So Trump sent the ship, U.S. Navy Hospital Ship Comfort, with 1,100 beds. That was supposed to just originally help the hospitals with regular patients. But he cried, no, no, we need more beds. We need more beds for the COVID. We need more beds. The tough guy, Il Duce, who now says he wants to deck Trump, crying like a little twit. 
at the time. So Trump sends the ship. He sends the ship and then he converts the ship to be able to do COVID. Another 1,100 beds. And they saw about 100 patients. New Jersey had access to these people. They're right on the river. So it was all accessible to New Jersey in terms of the hospital and the Javits Center, as well as to New York authorities. Notwithstanding, they flooded the nursing homes and they inflated the numbers. So when you get through all this, when you look at the fact that many people died with COVID and not from COVID, when you look at the fact that 102,000, 103,000 people died in nursing homes, most of them needing not having to have died at all, were it not for the fact that COVID-19 patients were deliberately sent there. The actual death, now of course I'm sure there would have been some nursing home deaths, there's always a way to get a contagion in there by, you know, by accident, a, a worker brings it in unwittingly. And then yes, then El Duce had the goal to admit that it was the workers that were bringing the infection. It was the workers. It couldn't be the patients that he mandated to go there. It was the workers. Well, there was one nursing home, and I mentioned this in a previous show, in Rensselaer County, New York. It's upstate on the uh, Vermont, Massachusetts border of New York. It was a county-owned nursing home. I'm not going to mention its name. They deliberately defied the governor's order, but they did so quietly because they know how vindictive he could be. That was the statement from the director of the county, the county executive. This nursing home had 343 beds. They didn't accept a single COVID-19 patient, but they still had staff going in and out on a daily basis. Do you know how many COVID-19 deaths they experienced in that nursing home among the population and residents? Not a one. That's right. Not a single one. So we can assume that a similar effect would have been realized in other areas of the state had nursing homes not had to take COVID-19 patients. Now, perhaps in the more populated areas, some might have gotten in, but we can assume it would be far lower. So just looking at rough numbers, if not for the stupid action of government executives, that 245,000 COVID-19 deaths, not all of which were caused by COVID, as we said, maybe we'll, many were with COVID, could have been reduced down to only 142,000 or 140,000. Now, that's still more than we would have liked. But as that number goes down and we look at the people who died from underlying causes, not necessarily from COVID-19, we find that that's a little more than just a double normal flu season where we have 64,000 people dead, because double that's 128. It's not exactly something, when you have 128,000 and you have a survival rate of about 99%, it's not exactly something that should be causing us to so upend every aspect of our lives. It's not something which justifies shutting down businesses and putting people into bankruptcy and putting corporations and small businesses into receivership. It's not something that justifies the government coming into your home and telling you how many people you can have at your home for Thanksgiving and how many households they can come from. While Congress was planning a big dinner in the Capitol because it's well ventilated and the Capitol doctors said it was okay. Do you really think that Il Duce, um, Benito Cuomo, is going to have only 10 people at his house the way those 
Gavon's Manj up there in Albany. And then we have Chris Cuomo, his brother, Fredo, Fredo Cuomo, uh, hawking the mask, the mask, the mask. Just got fined $500 by his building because he didn't adhere to their rules about wearing the mask in public areas. So we have a lot of fraud here, not only in the elections, but in our politicians. We have a lot of gall. We have a lot of hypocrisy. What I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't got the sense of it already, is you've been played. You've been played in a very, very big way. They're using this to treat you like lemmings. You just follow whatever they say. Wear the mask, wear the mask, wear the mask. And who's the biggest hawker of the mask? Dr. Fauci. The famous Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci was wrong about everything. Told everybody it was the flu when it first came in. Then said the mask wasn't worth anything. Now you have to wear the mask. And then we all saw him with that famous pitch that was supposed to go to home plate and landed closer to first. He was sitting there watching the opening day of the Washington Nationals with no mask, no social distancing, sitting next to people who were not part of his household, not family members, without a care in the world. So apparently they all know something that we don't. Nancy Pelosi, a woman who's older than dirt and should be at risk for the COVID-19 virus, gaily walks about without a mask, or at least she was until she was caught on camera going to get her hair done. Now she always appears with the mask. Chuck Schumer was talking the other day on the streets of New York about how we're going to change America, and he had his mask off. And then when the camera went on and he quickly bent over and put a mask on, you're getting played, people. You're getting played. They want to come into your homes now, control your holidays. They want to fine you. They want to close your businesses. They want to bankrupt everyone so that everyone has to go hat in hand from the government. It's about time you started pushing back. There is no law to wear a mask. We shouldn't all have to walk around like bank robbers for the rest of our lives. It's not good for the person. It's not good for the persona. And there's no evidence that these masks are going to prevent everything, or anything rather. I remember when everyone was hawking on President Trump because he didn't wear a mask. Well, look, I know a lot of people hate the president on the left, but let's be honest. If I gave you a choice of the following, which would you take? Because nothing's guaranteed. No matter how many precautions you take, you can always get sick, you can always die. Joe, or Jane, whatever your name is, I'm giving you two choices to protect yourself against the pandemic. Wear the mask, but I'm not going to give you any guarantees that the people you run into on a daily basis might not have the COVID-19 virus. Your only salvation is going to be washing your hands in the mask. Or would you prefer this alternative? You can't wear the mask, but I promise you that everyone you come into contact with, everyone you see, touch, speak to in person, are all going to have been given a rapid COVID-19 test before they meet with you. And only if they're negative are you going to be allowed to see them. Which would you take? Well, that's the position the president's in. He is the president of the United States. He has to communicate confidence to the population he represents. And I don't think that's very well served or very well done by walking around looking like a third-rate bank robber with a bullshit mask on. But everyone that meets the president has to be tested for COVID-19. And the president himself gets tested for COVID-19 every day. So he had two things going for him.
One, he had everyone tested that meets him. And two, he gets tested every day. So the minute his antibody levels reach the point where he shows up a positive result, they can treat him. And the hydroxychloroquine has been very effective against COVID-19, despite what you've been told. And what you also haven't been told is that it's very effective when it's used the right way. You can't wait until people are at death's door before you give it to them. It's most effective within the first five or six days after symptoms appear. Because by the fifth or sixth day, the viral load explodes. And we've talked about this before on this show. The viral load explodes and it becomes less effective. Well, President Trump, he's getting the treatment before the symptoms even appear. Because as soon as he tests positive, they know and they intervene, which was why the guy was in the hospital for three or four days and he's home and he looked better after than he did before he went in. This is not something that should disrupt this country, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you the truth. You've seen it. If you have an ounce of common sense, you've seen it. There's no reason for this. Schools are shutting down. Our children are home. They're not getting socialized. This is not healthy. People are delaying other medical procedures. Push back. You've got to push back. You can't sit there and take it. And if you think it's bad now, wait until January if Trump is not successful in his quest to prove the voter fraud that definitely took place. You want to talk about a dark winter? This lunatic, Joe Biden, doesn't even know what his name is anymore or what he's running for is going to be manipulated into putting all manner of lockdowns and all, all of businesses that require people to be there in person are all going to fade away. Oh, I can work remotely. Yeah, you can. You can because you work for Abercrombie, Morgan, and Furch. Right? It sounds like a fictional company. It is. But what about the waitress? Can she remotely bring you your cup of coffee at the diner? Can she? Can the dry cleaning store remotely? Deal? You know, he's got to go to work. Construction workers, they have to go to work. They can't remotely fix your house. The plumber can't remotely clear your drain. The electrician can't remotely replace your circuit breakers. There are some things that can be done remotely, but not everything. And bars, restaurants, theaters, tourism, and then the hotels that depend on those tourism can't cut it remotely. It needs real people in real time. And what we're experiencing and what we know now about this virus doesn't justify what's being done. This is simply an excuse to shatter and obliterate the economy of this country and make everyone dependent on socialism. If these people have their way, you'll see soup kitchens again in this country like you haven't seen since the Great Depression. And you'll be hat in hand to the government dependent on them for every little crumb that you can get. You want to talk about being a slave, about the slave history of the United States? Well, they're going to bring it back. Economic slavery. That's what you're going to have. So those of you who voted for Biden, by whatever stupid reason you justified in your own mind for doing so, you better rethink your position. You better rethink the support you gave to those lunatics on the ultra-left. But apparently most people was smarter than that. Most people voted for more Republicans back in, con in Congress, which is why the Republicans gained 12 seats in the House, which is why they held on to the Senate, which is why they increased their presence 
in the state houses, in the state legislatures, the state governorships. And yet we're supposed to believe against the beach of this massive red wave of sand going in the right direction, no pun intended, that the only person that lost is the man responsible for the red wave, Donald Trump. We're supposed to believe that ballots that were checked off for Biden with only the presidential race checked off and no other, that these are bona fide ballots. Show me 100,000 ballots for Donald Trump that only had Donald Trump's name checked and no other candidate. You can't because they don't exist. And normal, real people who vote don't just vote for one candidate, let alone in batches of 135,000 at a time. We'll be covering more on this next week. But I'm telling you, folks, this COVID-19 virus has been the biggest hustle that you can possibly imagine. It did its dirty work. It allowed those who were willing to manipulate you to be able to do so convincingly. But it didn't result in mass death. Because I think the Chinese communists knew that had they done that, had they unleashed something that would have really been a pandemic resulting in 20, 30, 40, 50 million deaths, that they would have been visited by the United States military in a big way. They did just enough in their attempt to try and dislodge the man who had called them to task and out-negotiated them in every way, shape, or form, trying to put this country back in its proper position and prevent us from being taken over and having our secrets stolen by the Chinese communists. Think about it. I'll see you Monday. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.